Hi, this is Tamika Kasten-Miller, and you are listening to Think, Flow, Grow. At the end of this and every episode, you will find a meditation, so stay tuned. Happy New Year! This is Tamika Kasten with Ashe Yoga in Houston, Texas. And today I am recording again outside. Um, I found a real need to connect with nature, and I think that I'm going to be recording outside for a while. I think one of the reasons why I enjoy connecting to nature so much is because when I'm out in nature, I'm reminded of how much being indoors really disconnected me, at least for such a long time from from my true nature and from the natural desire to be out in fresh air and to be out touching the grass and and smelling flowers and without having to have all of that happen happen indoors for me to be able to enjoy them and i think that one of the things that i learned when i started to connect back to nature is how much humans are actually suffering from a few things. And maybe not, it's not everywhere, but certainly in large cities around the world and most definitely in the United States. And for me, that is all about separation. It's about separation from nature. I think that we are suffering as a result from being uh, separated from nature, separated from other people, for me, this looks like xenophobia because there's no real understanding of other people because we're not in community with other people. And it's also a separation from our creativity, needing to have some sort of validation to be creative is something that I think has become uh, a problem uh, in a society that evaluates creativity um, in terms of how much your creative product is sold or how much education you have done in order to cultivate creativity. And then finally, the other way that we are creating suffering or humans are suffering is through the separation of ourselves from our true natures. So the separation of ourselves from nature, from each other, from our creativity, and from ourselves. And I believe that all of this has become a problem as people have erected structures to create boundaries of what is mine and what is yours. And of course, this has happened, you know, since 
uh, since ancient times, you know, of creating structures that divide territories. So it's not new that there are uh, walls in, in all major cities. In fact, uh, as we go to and journey to the older cities, um, particularly older European cities, uh, older Asian cities, um, we begin to see um, these giant impenetrable walls that have separated people from one another. And the attempt continues here in uh, the United States, you know, attempting to create an imaginary boundary between um, what is the United States of America and what what is the United States of Mexico. Um, with this general kind of understanding or lack of understanding, that is, of the fact that it is all America, you know, all from Canada to Argentina, there's this, this lack of, of understanding of the connectedness of what America is and this, these desires for walls um, does not create the connectedness that would actually foster understanding, compassion, love. So as we are more and more disconnected through the creation of walls and the disconnection um, from being out in nature, connecting to what teaches us, really, if we look to it, then it further separates us from, as I mentioned, our creative abilities, which is uh, a direct reflection of our relationship and the development of the sacral chakra, the house of creativity, sexuality, sensuality, when we're disconnected from that energetic center, we are we have difficulty creating whether it is life or creating art um, because there's a disconnection between the the senses. There's something that is is not fully firing there, um, being able to experience through the senses. And I believe that this comes down to that separation. So what does all of this mean, at least um, in terms of the, the individual? For me, what this means is that then the reality of the very human um, action of projecting becomes very problematic. So to back up a bit, if you've listened to or followed my uh, IGTV on Instagram, I recently posted an episode that is about uh, projection and mirrors. And essentially what I mentioned was that every reaction, every, every interaction has a projection in it. What this looks like is for me has been um, when I have seen in the past, when I have seen people who are intolerant, um, people who are damaging 
to other people because they do not like um, that person's whatever the case is, whether it be their looks or their um, or their gender uh, um, that was not assigned correctly at birth or their sexuality or whatever the case may be or, or their nationality or their accent. So whenever there's some sort of intolerance, um, it used to make me extremely angry, so much so that I would react like a mama bear, you know, like going in for the, I'm going to react in this, I'm going to have this huge visceral reaction. I'm angry. I want to fight somebody, fight or flight mode, instantly engaged. And um, I really just want to <laughs> go fist the cuffs when that happens. And what I had to sit with was why my reaction was so big. Um, I do recognize that I, I love um, people who have been in communities that have been otherized and marginalized, and I love them so much because I'm a, I sit within several of those communities, the intersectionality of being woman, black, and queer is an interesting place to be because there's such a, a multi-layered experience of otherizing and marginalizing that happens just by me living my everyday life. And so it creates an empathy for others who are dealing with the same, um, whether they be suffering from um, Islamophobia or uh, other method, other or transphobia. I don't have to be a trans person to understand the suffering related to um, that experience because I've had my own suffering related to that, right? So I don't think that we need to um, be in that community to understand the suffering of that community. And certainly um, my own experience has definitely helped me be a more compassionate person. That said, as I mentioned, I needed to sit with my own understanding of that in order to see what was truly reacting in myself. And I think what it is, whenever I would get really angry or upset about other people's behaviors, it was because I was being reminded of times in which I was persecuted for just being who I was. And so I was myself reacting to um, the times in which I was, I had been persecuted, I had been oppressed, I had been marginalized, I had been otherized. And so my reaction to injustice was because I too had felt injustice. And that was a projection, right? Now, it, it's a, it works out positively because I think it makes me a, a better human. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely rather be a tolerant person than an intolerant person. I would definitely prefer to be bothered by intolerance than be bothered by tolerance. So it's not a matter of assigning morality of good or bad. It's about being conscious and aware of how a projection shows up 
and what that is, how, what we can learn from that, um, from that so that we can learn more about ourselves. Now, am I the type of person who's not going to be bothered whenever people are intolerant toward other groups? Mm, Probably not. You know, maybe eventually I won't have, you know, an attachment to that. But for right now, uh, I will, I, I'm a warrior for justice. So right now that is definitely something that will continue to bother me and I'm okay with it and I'm conscious of it. Now, how this can show up in, in a way that is not positive is something that I also spoke to in my current, um, IGTV episode. And that was about people shaming other people for who they are. So as Lizzo, the fabulous young queen that she is, um, has become more and more popular and gained more and more fame, of course, she is also going to gain more and more detractors. And this, of course, this is just true of everyone. The, you know, when people start getting to know who you are, they're going to be the people who immediately become detractors. Um, and that's just, that's just life. That's just the way that life is. That's the way life will be. And stepping into the ring in order to live your truth and live it out loud and to, to become uh, someone who people know on a larger scale means acquiring detractors. So I'm sitting over here in Houston, Texas, in the backyard of my friend's home who um, does not, uh, who has let us uh, stay here while we're building a new home. And I'm sure that someone is um, saying something about who do I think I am and blah, blah, blah. You know, I also really, you know, whatever, that's, that's them. So the thing is, is with Lizzo, as she's become more and more popular and more and more famous, there are, of course, those people who will then begin to, or who have already begun talking about how she's glamorizing obesity and how she is attempting to normalize obesity. First of all, (laughs) I don't really understand what this like when we're, we're using framework and um, wording that is applied to, um, topics like racism, Nazism, fascism. When you talk about normalizing something, um, the, the context in which those, um, words have been used in the past is to normalize something that is absolutely not okay. And so the folks who are using that same terminology are saying that um, obesity is absolutely not okay. Somehow it is on the same level as fascism, something to not be normalized. Um, So my very first response is sit down and stay in your lane. (laughs) But... Going deeper into this is the, the, the truth of the matter is this. If you look at Lizzo and your thought process is you are normalizing obesity, you are projecting your fears 
of people actually knowing about your own struggle with your own weight, your own struggle with your own food addiction or other addiction, your own struggle with body dysmorphia, your own struggle with accepting your body as it is. That's, that's about you. That is absolutely about you. That has nothing to do with Lizzo. Um, and this isn't, I'm not saying this because I'm a Lizzo fan. You can put in anybody. You can put in uh, Yogi Jessamine Stanley. You can put in, um, you can put in uh, Ashley Graham, the model. You can put in any full-figured person. And my comments will still be the same. It's just that they're on a public stage and the, for some reason, um, people who are full-figured people are not supposed to be seen uh, unless they're Oprah, you know, and Oprah gets to be seen because she, she gives things away and she's of service to humanity. And, you know, the, while the others end up being just seen for their talents and somehow that's not okay. The interesting thing about this projection, particularly as it uh, relates to weight, is that when people see super thin people, they don't talk about how or the, the normalization or the glamorization of anorexia. There's no, there's no conversation about that. It, there's, there's, oh, this person is very attractive or is model thin or, you know, commentary like that. And yet when someone is very, very, very thin, extremely thin, underweight versus someone who is very, very, very overweight, it's the same, it's the same coin. And yet we glamorize the, the person who might, um, not eat because of stress or family situations or breakup or whatever, and then penalize the person who will eat because of stress or family situations or breakup or whatever. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's, it is utilizing food for something for which it, it, it does not serve. And so this is how we can project onto other people and cause real damage. I remember saying one time that social media is one giant acknowledgement and, ex and experiment in the shadow. And this is because all, all of the things that we post um, on social media are reflections of our internal world that's either been resolved or unresolved. And so if we're posting things that we hate and we're posting things that we're really passionately, you know, defending or, or arguing against or whatever, we're showing all of the things in our shadow that aren't yet resolved. If we're passionately posting about things that are, are beautiful and give us joy and all of those things, then we're posting um, things that reflect our need to be seen in that way. For me, neither one is bad or good. As I mentioned, it's just about knowing that that's what it is. So recently, too, I saw someone post about, uh, or I've actually seen a person post over and over and over. It's, it's a daily post about um, 
veganism and this person is absolutely demeaning others um, who have not chosen that as their lifestyle. And it is really interesting because at this point, initially I was just like, I, I thought you practiced ahimsa or not harming, but in fact, you're harming a lot of people by being really demeaning of those who haven't made the ch same choices you, that you have. Um, if you truly were committed to um, veganism, you wouldn't really care about whether others are because you're doing you and the the projections that you have around food and all of that would would be resolved you wouldn't have a need to project in that way and it's the same with anything you know um but i but as this person continues to post these very ugly and damaging posts i just wonder when the revelation will happen that there's there's a there's something there that needs to be resolved and it's not about humanity it is something in that person that needs to be resolved so i come back to the question about walls and all of that um, or my earlier statements about walls to speak to the reality that if we are in the business of breaking down barriers and being in community and elevating and creating compassion in the world, then the separation uh, between people, whether it be by uh, oppressing them with your own beliefs or bombarding them with um, messaging that makes people feel shamed into certain ways, uh, it, you can't be in both worlds at the same time. Um, you're either in the business of separation and shame or you're in the business of empowerment and compassion. I do not believe those two worlds exist in the same space. Um, however, I'm willing to be convinced. Um, so if you have any examples of that, feel free to send them. <laughs> what I do believe is that when we use those moments in which we want to react to other people as teachable moments for ourselves, then we can begin to not only cultivate healing in our own selves, but we can also cultivate healing in the world because compassion starts at person number one, which is ourselves. This leads me to a, th uh, a thought that um, one of my teachers spoke to today which was uh, a yogic, um, or actually an old Hindu um, story about Ganesh and about how Ganesh is the remover of obstacles in this uh, tradition, but he also places obstacles. And so it speaks to the concept of um, the old Zen proverb of uh, the obstacles, the path, as long as there are learnings, um, or as long as there are frustrations, you know, that we see that are evoked by other people, um, we, we have an opportunity to learn from those people. And this is why the dissolution of walls is so important. 
the more we hole ourselves up in the walls, well, I was actually speaking to the, about this with, with someone I care about very deeply, and we were talking about how we, we put up these walls because we needed them at one time, but there's a point in which the walls convert and they become fortresses and they're impenetrable and we no longer can be in our own nature, which is connected, which is creative, which is sensual, um, which is connected to source, which is connected to nature. We cannot be in that space and hold up at the same time. Now, I've spoken before to the concept of kleshas, and these are the ways of suffering. Term in Indian uh, philosophy of, and yogic philosophy of, of the ways that we suffer are poisoned, um, which create suffering. And, and I have mentioned what I believe are ways in which we suffer. The ancients would say that we suffer because of ignorance, uh, because of um, desire or, or pulling toward ourselves, because of avoidance or pushing away from ourselves, of course, because of uh, fear of death. And then, but it's the second one, which is over-identifying with ego, which is, I think, which is what's speaking, what I'm speaking to right now. When we over-identify with ego, we're not only identifying with, you know, what our surface needs are and what we think and I'm right and you're wrong, but we're also over-identifying with the superficial. And the superficial is the need for separation to protect something, some idea or some territory or some area or whatever. The superficial is the belief that we need to um, be validated because um, we didn't create art if someone didn't buy it or we didn't create art if someone didn't say it was awesome. Um, the superficial is the belief that we are not divine, that we have no connection to that which is bigger than us, that this is it, that we are skin, bones, we eat poop, and, and that's it, and we try to have some connections to people. And also the, the lie in all of it is that we don't need other people. That's all connect over-identifying with the superficial or over-identifying with the ego. And so when we think about how we can suffer less, I think that the work really begins with acknowledging that we are the co-creators of our suffering and we are also co-creators of our bliss. And the sad and scary and awesome part in all of it is that we are absolutely in choice most of the time as to what we're creating. So we're not victims of a situation. The way that we show up for and inside of that situation is of our own choosing. And so I guess from my ramblings today and you know I'm just taking cues from nature right now just by moving with the wind and moving with my ever-shifting thoughts but I guess 
what I'm saying is that if we want to reduce suffering and we want to increase joy, then we need to choose how we want to be, who we want to be, what are we revealing about ourselves at any given time, what are we not revealing about ourselves at any given time, and to stay really curious and interested in all of the rationale behind all of that. As we deepen our understanding of ourselves, we also will, I think, um, learn that we are always in the process of becoming. And if we are becoming, we can't really do that behind walls. So I invite you today to consider what are the walls in your world and what might be ways in which you can begin to etch away at them so that you can create a little tiny hole maybe into the other side of what you've been protecting yourself from. And then perhaps um, you'll connect with nature, with others, um, and with yourself in a more meaningful way. To prepare for meditation, come to a comfortable lying down position. Feel free to press pause while you get yourself comfortable. As you settle in, notice the connection between yourself and the ground. Notice your head and upper back touching the ground. Notice your bottom legs and feet connected and supported by the ground. Bring your awareness to the sensation of clothes touching your body. And now sense your breath. Notice the rise and fall of your chest. Determine the breath's location. Is it only in your chest? Or can you sense the rise and fall of your belly? Do your ribs expand outward or upward? Notice the breath enter your nostrils and travel all the way down to the pit of your belly and then work itself back out toward your nostrils. Bring your awareness to any thoughts. See your thoughts pool alongside you to create a river of thoughts. They're not gone. Feel supported by your thoughts. Bring into your mind's eye 
any labels that have been given to you or that you've given yourself, any roles that you play, all of the roles that you play. See your personality and allow all of those labels and roles and attributes to float out into the ether to bear witness to your experience today. Now notice yourself in your mind's eye, see yourself lying on the ground. See yourself in your city. See yourself as light. Give yourself a color. And now see yourself in your state. In your country. See yourself in earth. And bring your awareness back to your breath. And as you inhale, draw your inhale all the way to the crown of your head. Exhale toward your feet. As you inhale, draw that inhale from your feet all the way to the crown of your head. And exhale from the crown of your head toward your feet. Inhale, awareness from feet to head. Exhale from crown to feet. Inhale, feet to the crown of your head. Exhale from your head toward your feet. And continue breathing in this wave-like pattern. See your breath as color. And notice on your exhalations, the extension of your breath, the awareness growing bigger. Inhale from your feet to your crown. And exhale from your crown to your feet. And this time, bring your awareness to your breath, extending beyond your crown. And on your exhale, extend your exhale beyond your feet. Your awareness extends beyond you, beyond your body. See your light extending beyond 
the confines of your skin. See it beyond your home. See your awareness growing and touching the awareness of someone else. Notice the edges of your awareness or your color disappear, connecting into the greater awareness. See your light in a sea of lights. Notice their colors. Notice how these colors connect without any seeming edges. One color melting into the next. One awareness connecting into the next. See no differences between your awareness now, your light. Allow for your awareness to become a part of the greater awareness, a part of the greater experience. Sense wisdom being shared between your wisdom and the wisdom that you are receiving. Sense your experience being shared with other experiences as one whole experience. Since your breath unified with the breath of the universe, the breath of all of the light and the awareness, infinite breath with no beginning and no end. And enjoy for a while this shared experience, this interchange of breath and energy. And slowly begin to notice your awareness forming edges again, light, drawing back into itself. And see yourself as this light in earth, in your country. And come back to yourself in your state, in your city, and lying in your home, 
on the ground. Notice any thoughts that were pulled around you like a lazy river coming back inside of you. Becoming a part of you once again. Notice the rise and fall of your belly and chest. And take a deep breath in. And an even deeper exhale out. Take another full breath in. And exhale. Begin to notice your fingers and your toes. Wiggle them bringing them back to life and animation. And bring in any other movements that feel good. And before you change anything about your position, know that you are a part of the greater intelligence, the Earth's intelligence. A part of a greater wisdom, the Earth's wisdom a part of everyone who has come before you and everyone who is coming after you. And we are all connected. And on your next exhale, send out love. Send out love into our universe. A shared experience that is compelled by love. And perhaps even commit to being and doing love today. Being a part of the healing that our world needs. It is always my honor to be a part of your experience. And my goal to leave you better than I found you. I hope that happened for you today. Namaste. You've been listening to Think, Flow, Grow. This is Tamika with Asha Yoga. I'd love to hear your feedback and would love to hear any topics that you'd like for me to address. Feel free to email me at tamika at ashayoga.com. Also, you can go to that website to find out upcoming workshops, retreats, and events in your area. Thank you.